0: The voice of the game. on oh. a. As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to another edition of your program. Of course, this is Madrasa on Air, Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson, along with Sheikh Riyad Walsh in studio, of course, heading up the Jim Educational Foundation. It's Thursday today and today we are going to be focusing on Ulumul quran and that is, of course, the sciences of the Qur'an and that is going to be with none other than Sheikh Riyad Wools in studio. Sheikh, alaykum.
1: Wa alaykum as wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Sheikh it's Thursday how are you feeling this afternoon
1: alhamdulillah tomorrow is Jumu'ah.
0: alhamdulillah beautiful and sheikh we are going to be looking at a different subject and that is of course the sciences of quran so inshallah take us through that
1: bismillah walhamdulillah wa wa salam rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man amma ba sister yasmina respected listeners of the voice of the cape i greet you all once again with the universal greetings of love, mercy and peace Assalamu Alaikum alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Inshallah ta'ala our subject for Thursdays is going to be Uloom al-Quran And um, I know we got a, a little bit of feedback yesterday That some of the concepts that were put forward Were a little bit complicated But as I've said before, Inshallah ta'ala Um, I encourage everybody uh, that inshallah ta'ala has made the intention to acquire this knowledge that we all need to draw us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be of a benefit to the Ummah of Muhammad and to mankind as a whole that inshallah ta'ala bear with us there will be something in this for everybody and I'm only a naqil meaning a delivery boy as I always like to say I am just giving over the information inshallah ta'ala and there will be something for those who are not arabic speaking which i know is the vast majority of our community uh, do not speak arabic but there will be also inshallah something for those who are who can speak the arabic language or have an understanding of the arabic language or are learning to have an understanding of the Arabic language, and for those who really are passionate, I've also included, uh, like I've mentioned before, some of the manzumat, some of the didactic poetry, uh, in there. So something for everybody, Inshallah Taala. So, uh, Inshallah, I will go through it uh, slowly, and Inshallah, we will um, make it as clear and as simplified as possible. And inshallah ta'ala, we ask that Allah subhanahu wa taala cause there to come benefit out of it, inshallah, for all of us. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. So our topic for today is Ulum al-Qur'an. Ulum, meaning sciences. It is the jam of ilm, which can be interpreted as science or knowledge. But in particular, when we look at it in this Construction of Ulumul Quran, and we are looking at the compound meaning, meaning the meaning of the word when it is together, Ulumul Quran, and not just the natural attribution when we put the word sciences before the word Quran, because it has a different connotation. In Arabic, we call it a tarkib al-muraqqab, a tarkib al-idafi. A al murakkab which is meant um, when we speak about it as a single science. Ulum al Qur'an is a single science in the broader realm of the Islamic sciences, known as Ulum al Quran. And when we mean it in such a way as a single science, we are speaking about we're speaking about the basically a vast knowledge that underlines the principles and basis of exegesis, of tafsir. Basically how the Quran was revealed to the Prophet wasallam, The reality of that revelation of the wahi. The sequence of the revelation. In other words, the fact that iqra bismi rabbika came first, according to the majority of scholars. And that يَوْمًا تُرْجَعُونَ فِيهِ إِلَى Verse 281 of Surah Al-Baqarah was the last revealed verse. The period during which the whole of it was revealed, which is that 23-year period of our beloved Prophet Muhammad life, from the moment that he received the Nubuwa, the Prophethood, as well as the distinction between the Suwar, which are Makkiya, in other words the Makkan chapters, and the Surah which are Madaniya, meaning the, the Madinan chapters. And inshallah we're going to, when we get there we will discuss it in more detail, but according to the majority of scholars when we do say Makki or Makkiya or Madaniya, it is bi'atibar zaman wa laysa bi'atibar al-makan. It is not necessarily indicative of place but more indicative of time. That when we say that a surah is makkiya it means that it was revealed before the hijrah. And if we say that it is madaniya, we mean that it was revealed after the hijrah. So these are the kinds of things that we're going to be studying in ulum al-Qur'an as well as the background of of the revelation of each verse which is also known as asbab al-nuzul the sabab which is the singular of asbab, the cause, the context, the background, what was happening when that verse came down, or what happened just before that verse came down. These are the kinds of things that we are going to be studying, la ta'ala. And how all of these things help in the correct interpretation of the Quran. Remember, we need to understand that we are an ummah that cannot just say whatever we like about our sacred book, about the Holy Qur'an. The first thing that comes to mind, if I hear a verse, even if it is a translation that the person is reading, the Qur'an was not revealed in any other language, in Arabic in Mubin, except with the perfect Arabic tongue. So sometimes we'll be reading the Qur'an translated into English, or the meaning of the Qur'an, in the English language, and then we will want to interpret it in our own way. And this is something that is very dangerous, and that is why we require this science. And inshallah, we will continue after the break.
0: Madrasa on air. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to our program that is of course Madrasa on a Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wolf in studio and we are speaking about the sciences of Quran this afternoon and for those of you who have just tuned in, Sheikh is going to do a brief recap in terms of what we did just before the ad break Sheikh Tufadul
1: Bismillah walhamdulillah wa, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala amma ba once again, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh to our dear, beloved, respected listeners. Just before the break, we're speaking about how important it is to study this science of ulum al Quran as a single science, which basically is a science that covers a vast realm of knowledge and underlines the principles and the basis that we require for exegesis or tafsir of the Holy Qur'an. And we mentioned some of the aspects of Uloom Al-Qur'an pertaining to how the Qur'an was revealed to the Prophet the reality of the revelation, the sequence of the revelation the period during which the whole of it was revealed the distinction of Makkan and Madan and Surahs the background or context of the revelation and how it helps in interpreting the Qur'an and the abrogated verses of the Qur'an. And that without the science, we would be basically interpreting the Qur'an according to our whims and our fancies. We'd be interpreting the Qur'an according to our own made-up opinions. And that is something that is unacceptable in Islam. Our beloved Prophet Muhammad wasallam, says in a hadith, مَن quran أَوْ بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمْ فَقَدْ مَقْعَدَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ Whoever says anything about the Qur'an, that which is based on their own opinion, مَنْ قَالَ فِي الْقُرْآنِ أَوْ بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمْ Or that which they do not know, then they've prepared for themselves a seat in the fire. Now I just want to blink... Bring clarity to this word Bira'i with his opinion, because the first lesson that you learn in "qawaid al-tafsir" or Usul al-tafsir," which is part of Ulum al-Quran, by the way, Usul al-tafsir" or "qawaid al-tafsir," which are the rules of tafsir. The first one we learn is a tafsir ima saib, binaklin اَوْ بِرَأْيٍ Sa'ib فَمَا Siwa Huma The first rule that we learn in terms of the tafsir of the Holy Quran is that tafsir is either through authentic narration or through sound opinion. And in the book at tafsir mufassirun a very great book which speaks about the history of tafsir and the rules of tafsir, and the history of the, the greatest of our mufassirin of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu the author mentions in this book 15 different sciences that the mufassir has to master before he can make tafsir of the holy Quran. So, if he has mastered all of those sciences, like for example usul al din aqeedah which we are doing on a on a uh, Tuesday and subjects like Usul al-fiqh the rules of, of jurisprudence the extrapolation of the how to extrapolate legal rulings from the Quran and the Sunnah of the beloved Prophet Muhammad as well as the sciences of hadith and all the sciences of the Arabic language of uh, of balagha and of Ishtiqaqat and of ilmul al etc etc of nahu and sarf and the 15th science is عِلْمُ الْمَوْهِبَةِ عِلْمُ الْمَوْهِبَةِ which is basically the science of khashya, of taqwa, of fearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because it is only the one who is truly mindful of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts the light in their hearts of correct understanding. اللَّهُ اللَّهُ Be mindful of Allah, be conscious of Allah and Allah will teach you. إِنَّمَا <laughs> Those that fear Allah most out of His servants are those that have been endowed with knowledge. So the word opinion mustn't be under, uh, misunderstood. That we, uh, an alim cannot use his opinion. A mufassir cannot use his opinion. No, he can if it is based on ilm. If it is based on knowledge. Not based on whims and fancies. For example, opening the English translation of the meaning of the Qur'an or the Afrikaans translation of the meaning of the Qur'an or the Qasa translation of the meaning of the Qur'an and then me saying, "Oh, Allah says so in the Qur'an, uh, so and so. And that is very dangerous. And if that majal, if that opportunity was there for everybody to give their opinion, their own opinion based on their hawa, based on their whims and fancies about the Qur'an, what would be left in terms of the interpretation of the Qur'an. You would have every Dick, Tom and Harry, Khamachi and Abdulchi coming along with their own opinion and tafsir of the Qur'an. And the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi goes so far as to say, Qurani wa asab, فقد أخطأ. That the person Who says something about the Qur'an With their own opinion, not based on knowledge Just based on their opinion, what they think Without basing it on sound knowledge And by mere chance They are correct in their opinion Then they've made a mistake Why? Because to even attempt to do that without knowledge Is something that is not permissible in Islam So Alhamdulillah we have the Qur'an protected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From the day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completed and perfected that Qur'an, not one letter has changed. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks due solely to Allah. It's not even the Hufad and even though the word hafiz means protector literally linguistically means protector because he's protecting the mushaf in his heart but it's only by the protection of Allah in zalna dhikr wa lahu we have revealed this revelation says Allah and we are the protectors thereof somebody asked me in my class the other night what's this we is it Allah and somebody else i said no both in the arabic And in the Hebrew language, and they are sister languages, there is the pronoun of greatness. The plural of reverence. In the Hebrew language it is Im. Eloi Eloi Him. Eloi Him. This is the plural of, of reverence. In the Arabic language, the detached pronoun we say, Nahnu, Nahnu for you and I نَحْنُ that's the dual or nahnu, Nahnu for we as in the three or more of us but also the word نَحْنُ in the Arabic language لِلْمُفْرَدْ is for the singular أَلَّذِي يُعَظِّمُ for the one that reveres themselves and who is more worthy of revering themselves than Allah and there's an example of it The Queen of England, when uh, she speaks, she refers to herself as we. In actual fact, they have a term for it in England, they call it the royal we. And we shall have cucumber sandwiches and jam tarts and we shall take our corgis for a walk. Who is she referring to? She's referring to herself. But she's a mortal that requires oxygen for her lungs and food for her stomach and she requires to sleep at night in order to live and survive in this world whereas Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala a samad a la yaftaqiru ila shay' wa kullu shay'in yaftaqiru ilayh Allah is absolute Allah is not in need of anyone or anything and everyone and everything is in need of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala so when Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala says that indeed we have revealed this dhikr this reminder this revelation and we are the protectors thereof it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revering Himself and showing His majesty in the protection of His revelation Jalla fi So the Quran is protected. Even if they had to burn all the masahif, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbid, or all the wal wal'iyadhu billah had to all suddenly leave this world, the Quran would still be protected. Because it's protected by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. So, the science of ulum al Quran is a science that has been formulated over the centuries. It didn't exist at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Just like ulum al Hadith, which we spoke about yesterday, also didn't exist at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Why? Because the Prophet was there, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He was receiving the revelation the Sahaba witnessing the background and the context. They were in the time and in the place that it was revealed. They understood the purest form of Arabic, that they understood as the Quran was being revealed to them in their mother tongue. So the science wasn't required then, only much later. And inshallah ta'ala, as we go through it, we will see exactly how the science has been formulated. but. Before we go there, let us just take a step back and go back to the word. Ulumul Quran. As a single science, I've explained what it entails. All those aspects that help us to arrive at the correct interpretation of the Holy Qur'an. If we had to take the word Ulumul Quran not as a single science, But literally as we are saying it, the sciences of the Qur'an, then it means something completely different. Then it basically is referring to the different sciences that we find associated with the Qur'an. Like the science of Tajweed. Or the science of Qira'at. The different ways of Reciting the Quran. Malikiyomiddin. Maliki wa hmm. This would fall under ilmul qira'at. We have ilmul Tajweed. We have various other sciences that are associated with the Quran. Tafsir on its own. Ibn Kathir, for example, is a tafsir of the Holy Quran. Tafsir al-Razi. We have tafsir al-Tabari. Tafsir al-Qurtubi The science of Tafsir Is a science Associated with the Quran So all of these put together The Arab of the Quran For example What is wh- Where is the doer? Where is the Verb Where is the Object Where is the Particle Where is the Noun And how they fit In their sequence Are they in the accusative form or the genitive form or the nominative form. This is called arabul Quran. When looking looking at the Quran grammatically, so this would be considered as one of the sciences of the Quran. But if we speak it as a speak about it as a single science, al Quran, then we are speaking about what we have just mentioned a little bit earlier, about all those different aspects of how the wahi came down, how the revelation came down, where it came down, when it came down, uh, etc., etc., etc.
0: The Voice of Madrasa on A. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, and welcome back to your program, Madrasa on A, Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host, Yasmina Peterson, along with Sheikh Riyad Wolves, and this afternoon we're focusing on the sciences of Qur'an. And just before the ad break, Sheikh is going to be continuing in terms of that. Sheikh Tafatul.
1: Bismillah wa alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa wa ala rasulillah, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Once again, Assalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh. Yes, there was a comment that came through um, asking if this is going to be multi focused. If that question means, are we going to be doing, and I believe the person tuned in a little bit late. So maybe you missed the first uh, portion where we explained that we're going to be dealing with the single science of al-Ulum al Quran. In fact, it's better for us, inshallah, I want us to get used to using the Arabic term, then we won't get. Confused when we say علوم القرآن with the the تركيب المركب, meaning the compound meaning of that. When you put the two words together as a single science, that is what we are going to be dealing with: how the Quran was revealed, when it was revealed, how it was written down, how it was compiled. Looking at the context of the verses, looking at what was the first verse that came down, what was the last verse that came down, looking at those ayat that are considered to be Madani and those uh, ayat and surah that are considered to be Makki, etc., etc. We are going to be dealing with that science. Ulumul <inaudible> quran Yes, we translate it as sciences of the Qur'an, but that is where the confusion comes in because we're not going to be looking at the different sciences associated with the Qur'an, like i'rab like Qiraat, like Tajweed, and like so many other sciences that are associated with the Qur'an. We're going to be looking at that single science called Ulumul Qur'an. And in actual fact, there's a very good book written by Ahmad von Denfer Ahmad von Denfer. you can download it for free on the internet. It's a very basic introduction to Ulum al Quran, Ahmed von denver a German revert to Islam. And uh, inshallah you can download it uh, off the internet and that'll give you a basic idea of what we are going to be uh, studying B'Izni Ta'ala al So as we have been doing with all the other subjects, we've been looking at the at the ten foundational principles of each science For those who are not interested in poetry or don't have a firm grip on the Arabic language don't be afraid This is a beautiful tool, a beautiful mnemonic device to introduce every subject that you are studying or as an introduction for every subject that you are studying and to use when you teach inshaAllah, ta'ala to introduce that subject to the pupils. Basically what it's comprised of are 10 foundational principles of that science that you're about to teach. And I have already completed the Had, the definition. Of Alum Quran, and that is Hua Mabahith Tata Alakbil Quran al Karim Minnahiatin Nuzulihi, W Tatibihi, Wajemahi, Wakita Batihi, Wakira Atihi, Wat Tefsirihi, Wa Ajazihi, W Nasihi, Wamansuhi. It is the research associated with the Quran pertaining to its revelation, to its sequence to its compilation to its writing down to its reading to its explanation or interpretation to its miracle to that which is abrogated to that which is abrogating etc etc what is its thamara its thamara its faida the fruit will be that we will have a correct interpretation and understanding of the holy quran what is its fadl what is its virtue it is again like ulum al-Hadith because the Hadith teaches us about our beloved Prophet Muhammad Ulum al-Hadith teaches us about about the authentic words and deeds and allowances and character as well as even his physical attributes and ulum al-Qur'an by Self-explanation teaches us about that most perfect and that which signifies the culmination, perfection, and completion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's chosen way of life for mankind. That Quran that was revealed to our beloved Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam via Jibiril and when it comes to a definition of, of the Quran itself, the ulama have been quite specific in the definition of the Holy Quran that it is Al Kitab Al Munazal Al Rasuli Al Maktubu Filmasah Al Mankulu Ilena tawatur that it is that which has been revealed, that book which has been revealed, in some of the definitions, ala qalbi Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, on the heart of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, in some of the definitions, via وسلم, written in the masahif. When it's written down, we call it the mushaf. When that whole Quran is written down, we have, mashallah, the beautiful binding with a beautiful gold insignia, and the beautiful pages, with a beautiful calligraphy, we call that the Mus'haf. The Quran itself is uncreated. The uncreated speech of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But it is written in the masahif, and it has been transmitted to us with a continuous narration, with numerous narrations, whereby it would have been been impossible for all those narrators to come together to agree on a lie and some of the other definitions add to that they say al mu'abbad Bitilawa. and that our recitation is a form of worship for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that it is mu'jizun bi aqsari it's mu'jizun bi Suwarihi, that it is a miracle even with its shortest chapter, subhanAllah. And what is the shortest chapter in the Holy Qur'an? Is Suratul Al-Kawthar, subhanAllah. And Allah ta'ala He makes the challenge in the Holy Qur'an. Because basically Mu'ajiz means rendering... Uncapable. And the Quran renders everybody incapable of producing the like thereof. That is the miraculous nature of the Quran. Nobody in the heavens or on earth can bring the like thereof that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought. And that's why we say, they cannot even bring three verses, which is the shortest. Chapter in the Holy Qur'an, surah Al-Kawthar. Madrasa
0: on Air Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, and welcome back to your program, Madrasa on A. Developing Islam in me, I'm your host Yasmina Peterson and this afternoon we are speaking about the sciences of the Qur'an and also in just before the break, Sheikh mentioned an author in terms of where you can download the book from. And Sheikh, uh, if Sheikh can just repeat that uh, name of the author, inshallah.
1: Ahmad. Von Denfer Ahmad von Denfer Google him and inshallah you will get the uh, Uloom Al Quran that the book that he has written on, Uloom quran bi-ithni Allah Ta'ala.
0: Shukran so much for that. Mm. Uh, and then also, if you want, you can send through your comments through to our WhatsApp. Do know that our SMSs are down and we are looking at rectifying that. But you can WhatsApp us in terms of your comments as well as anything in which you are not clear about. You can WhatsApp us on the number 72 But for now, we're going to be continuing as to where we stopped just before the outbreak. break. Sheikh Tafatul.
1: Bismillah wa alhamdulillah salatu was salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wa ala ba'd as alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Yes, just before the break we were doing the general ta'arif of the Qur'an, the general uh, definition of what is the Qur'an. And uh, I found another very beautiful definition uh, in Arabic. القرآن هو اللفظ العربي المعجز الموحى به إلى محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بواسطة جبريل عليه السلام وهو المنقول بالتواتر المكتوب في المصحف المتعبد بتلاوته المبدء بسورة الفاتحة والمختوم بسورة الناس he says that the Quran is that Arabic utterance. Bilisan in Arabic, in Muqbin, Allah Subhanahu Taala says in the Holy Quran, "Inna anzalnahu Quranan Arabiyan." Allah doesn't hide that fact. No, He says, "Inna anzalnahu Quranan Arabiyan la alakum taqiloon." We have revealed it as an Arabic Quran that you might make sense of it. So it is al-lafz I explained just before the break what is Mu'jiz, that it renders that which is other than it, incapable of being like it. It renders that other than it incapable of being like it. And that's why to shorten that we just say it is miraculous, it is a miracle. Bi-aqsari suwari, in the one definition even with its shortest chapter Surat al-Kothar, three verses. Bismillah Rahman Rahim al Nobody can even bring the like of those three verses. Al Muha Bihi ila Muhammad Sallallahu وسلم. Revealed to Muhammad بِوَاسِطَةِ جِبْرِيلِ via the angel Gabriel, peace be upon him. Al بِالتَّوَاتُرِ It has been narrated with so many numerous narrations that it is impossible for those narrators to have come together to agree on a lie al is written in the masahif al allah is worshiped with its recitation it starts al bi surat al-fatiha it starts with surat al-fatiha and it ends with surat al nas and i found something uh, very beautiful Um, One particular scholar in Egypt uh, Sheikh uh, Hassan He was explaining the definition of the Quran And he made this observation That in the Quran there are 114 chapters And the number of verses Are 6,666 According to the majority of scholars Al-Awamir, the commands are 1,000. Al-Nawahi, the prohibitions, are 1,000. How many does it give us, uh, Sister Yasmina? 2,000. So, Al-Awamir, 1,000. Al-Nawahi, 1,000. Commands, 1,000. Prohibitions, 1,000. Al-Wa'ad, promises, 1,000. Al-Wa'id, warnings, 1,000. Al-Qasas wal akhbar basically, uh, stories that have been narrated in the Qur'an, also narrates certain stories in the Qur'an about the Anbiya, about those who came before. Also 1,000 Al-Ibar wal-Amthal as well as similitudes, examples. How many? 1,000. So what do we have so far? We have 6,000. 1,004 commands, 1,004 prohibitions, 1,004 promises, 1,004 for, for warnings or threats. 1,000 for stories, 1,000 for similitudes or examples. For halal haram for ahkam, 500. And for dua, 100. And for abrogating and abrogated, 66. So mashallah, you know, look how balanced uh, Allah SWT has, has made the Qur'an. So just in terms of this word uh, mu'ajiz, um, I want us to look at those three verses in the Quran because, you know, the uh, the challenge begins out there that nobody will be able to bring the like of the Quran. In fact, Surah al Isra, verse number eighty-eight, Allah سبحانه says, "بعد ما تبي لهم الشيطان الرجيم قل لَّئِنَّ جَتَمَعَتِ الْإِنْسُ وَالْجِنُّ عَلَى يَأْتُونَ بِمِثْلِ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ لَا يَأْتُونَ بِمِثْلِهِ." وَلَوْ كَانَ بَعْضُهُمْ لِبَعْضٍ ظَهِيرًا Allah says, Say, O Muhammad that if the jinn and the ins had to all come together to attempt to bring the likeness of this Qur'an, they would not be able to bring the like of it, even if they had to support each other. So you can have an idea of every man, every human being, and every jinn individually trying, or even if they all had to come together, make a big conference of all the human beings and all the jinnat, in order to bring the likeness of the Qur'an, they will not be able to bring it. That is the first challenge that Allah SWT says they will never be able to meet. The second challenge is in Surah Hud, verse number 13, where Allah SWT says, Qul, فَأَتُوَ بِعَشْرِ صُورٍ مِمْ مِثْلِهِ قُلْ بِعَشْرِ مِثْلِهِ مُفْتَرَيَاتْ say to them O Muhammad sallallahu wasallam bring ten chapters the like thereof bring ten chapters the like thereof they will not be able to do so they will not be they will never be able to do so and then of course in Surah Al Baqarah that verse which most of us are familiar with, verse number 23, where Allah SWT says, وَإِن كُنتُم فِي رَيْبٍ مِمَّا نَزَلْنَا عَلَى عَبْدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِّن مِثْلِهِ وَدْعُوا شُهَدَاءُكُم مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنتُم صَادِقِينَ And if you are in doubt about that which has been revealed upon our servant Muhammad SAW, then bring... Just one chapter the like thereof. And I mentioned earlier, what is the shortest chapter, Sister Yasmina? Respected listeners? Surah Al-Kawthar. Three verses. Bring three verses the like thereof. And bring your witnesses besides Allah. In kuntum If you be people of truth. So, certainly, this is a miracle from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And something that we will inshallah look at when we speak about ulum Al-Qur'an are the Huruf Al-Muqatta'at, the broken letters Alif Lam mim, Taha, Yasin, Alif Lam Ra, etc, etc. That the Ulama, they say that these broken letters were basically a challenge to the disbelieving Quraysh, who were masters of the oral tradition very eloquent in their speech. That when they used to hear Alif mim, immediately they would go, but those are our letters. Min al huruf al-Hijaiyah, from our alphabet. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was challenging them, bring the light thereof. Alif Lameem, This is the book. لا ريب فيه هدى In there is no doubt it is a guidance for those who are Mindful and conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
0: Madrasa on a Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh and welcome back to your program Madrasa on e- Developing Islam in Me. I'm Yawsi Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Wolves in studio and we are focusing on the, the sciences of Quran as well as looking at the foundational principles of the Quran and before, and uh, just before the ad break we are now going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue on where we stopped. Sheikh Tafatul.
1: بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا أما بعد Once again, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Yes, just before the break we were going through the uh, definition of the Qur'an itself. Yes, we've done the the definition of علوم القرآن, the subject which we are presently studying and we're going to be doing inshallah ta'ala every Thursday. By the grace and mercy of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and so just before the break, we looked at some of the more famous definitions of what is the Quran, Al Kitab al Munazil ala Muhammad sallallahu alaihi Sallam. or Al Muha bihi ila Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam bi wasita Tijibril, and of course we have in Surah al-Shu'ara, verse number. 192 to 195 Allah SWT says very clearly وَإِنَّهُ لَتَنزِيلُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ نَزَلَ بِهِ الرُّوحُ الْأَمِينَ عَلَى قَلْبِكَ لِتَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُنذِرِينَ بِلِسَانٍ عَرَبِيِّ مُبِينَ. Allah SWT says Indeed it The Qur'an Is a revelation From Rabbil Alamin. Rab, it's not sufficient just to say Lord. Ar Rububiya, Alladhi Yakhluq Yubqi, is the one who creates and sustains. So it is indeed a revelation from the creator and sustainer of all the worlds. Revealed, Nazala Ruhul amin, Who brought it down? By the grace and power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ar Ruhul amin, The trust, trustworthy Ruh, which is Jibreel alayhis salam. Because he'd been entrusted as Malikul Wahi, as the angel, the archangel of revelation. That was his muhimmah. That is the task that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has entrusted with Jibreel alayhi Ala qalbika, Muhammad, ala qalbika litakuna al On your heart, O Muhammad, sallallahu Wasallam. Jibreel has brought it down onto your heart in order that you might be of the Mubin, with a perfect clear Arabic tongue and our beloved Prophet Muhammad if we look in terms of even his speech the Prophet never spoke out of vain desire like we we speak out of vain desire. We speak without thinking. Our beloved Prophet Muhammad ﷺ He does not speak out of vain desire. He doesn't speak from his whims and fancies. It is nothing but revelation revealed. But inshallah ta'ala we're going to go into the different types of revelation as one of our topics of ulum Al-Qur'an So we'll explain the difference between the revelation of the Qur'an and the words that he spoke inspired to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So I'd just like us to go back for a moment and look at our ten foundational principles We've looked at the uh, definition for those that have just tuned in. What is the definition of Uloom Al-Qur'an? It is that science of vast knowledge which underlines the principles and basis of exegesis of tafsir. Of correct interpretation of the Quran it tells us how the Quran was revealed to the Prophet the reality of the revelation the sequence of the revelation the period during which the whole of it was revealed the distinction of Meccan and Madani and Surahs the background or context of the revelation and how it helps in interpreting the Quran the abrogated verses of the Quran meaning of the many letters and the many recitations of the Quran, its subjects, manner in which Allah has preserved it, the stages with which its writing and printing or compilation has gone through principles, the principles and manners of tafsir, the correct way to understand it, and the errors that could mislead anyone. So this is the all-comprehensive definition of the subject at hand. Kulli مُبَادِيَ كُلِّ Al Al Wal The subject matter is exactly the same in this case as the as the definition. If you remember the last line um, at the end of that mnemonic device for memorizing the ten foundational principles of any science, what did you say? Masa'ilu iktafa. That some of these suffice for others. So in this case, the definition suffices also for the subject matter. And then the faida, what's the faida? What's the samara? Having the correct understanding of the holy Quran. Just like ulum al hadith helps us to authenticate the authentic words of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and so this is what we call a, an ilm, which is basically a ala. It is a tool. Ulum al hadith is a tool for understanding, authenticating, and understanding hadith. Ulum al Quran is a tool for the correct interpretation, understanding of the Holy Qur'an. And then its relation to the other sciences, it's one of the Islamic sciences associated with the Qur'an. Remember we spoke earlier about the general meaning of the term sciences of Qur'an? It's a host of different sciences. Ulum al-Qur'an is one of those sciences. Alongside E-Arab, alongside Qira'at, alongside Tajweed, etc., etc. Its founder, according to a lot of scholars, the first person to write a book about the science was in the year 430 Hijri. Yes, there were others that wrote on individual sections, on individual subject matter, like Nasikh wa mansukh like the abrogating and abrogated verses, like Asbabun Nuzul, like the context or background of Revelation. There were scholars before that wrote separate papers or separate articles or books on specific subjects within the comprehensive subject matter of Ulum Al-Qur'an. But it was only in the year 430 when Ali ibn Ibrahim ibn Sa'id Al-Hufi wrote the first known book of Ulum Al-Qur'an. When he died in the year 430 so that is the the period in which he would have written it. The name of of this science Ulum al Quran and is also known as Usul al Tafsir. But according to Al Imam Suyuti, Usul al Tafsir is one of the subjects or the rules of Tafsir. Qaw'a'id al Tafsir is one of the subjects of the subject matter of Ulum al Quran. Istimdadu, where does it come from? It's based on the Quran and the Sunnah and the actions of the Sahaba, of course. What is its hukum? What is its ruling? It's fard kifaya. If some of the ulama study the signs, the sin falls away on the, on the rest. And then the masail, of course, we go back to the definition and the subject matter. Those are the issues at hand that we are going to be dealing with, b'ithni Allah Ta'ala. Madrasa on A.
0: Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa and welcome back to your program Madrasa on A Developing Islam in Me. I'm your host Yasmina Peterson along with Sheikh Riyad Bulls in studio. And uh, we are speaking about the sciences of the Quran and we were also speaking about the 10 fundamental and foundations of Quranic sciences. And yeah, I'm going to be handing over to Sheikh to continue where Sheikh. stopped just before the ad break. Sheikh Takatuh.
1: Bismillah Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam wa al wa ala alihi. ومن, ومن ولا أما بعد Once again, السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته this is before the break, we were just um, ending off the ten foundational principles of the science of Uloom Al-Quran and within that we discussed also the definition of what is the Quran and its miraculous nature And how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam But that is going to be one of the subjects that we are going to be dealing with in more detail as we go along A little bit about the history I mentioned before the break that the scholar famously known as Al-Hufi He was the first one to basically write a book about the science And he died in the year 430 after the Hijrah So what happened in between then? So basically if we have to go back to the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad, uh, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Prophet and the companions they knew the Quran, they knew its sciences, they knew everything that was happening with regards to the context and the background and the language. I mean the Arabs around our beloved Prophet Muhammad spoke the what we know as Al Al Lugal Arabiya, Al Fusha. Al-Kalam Al-Fasih, that pure uh, Arabic tongue. There was even said, Na'umar, it's well known that he used to discipline his children if they made Lahan. In other words, if they spoke any words that were considered to be slang, that were considered to be not coined by the Arabs or purely Arabic in their nature. So, the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi there wasn't a need for The subject of Ulum Al-Quran The Prophet ﷺ was there He was receiving the revelation He was repeating it to the Sahaba The Sahaba were hearing it The Sahaba were understanding it They, because of having that pure Arabic tongue And that pure understanding of that pure Arabic tongue They understood its nuances They understood the stylistics They understood the rhetoric They understood the metaphors And so there wasn't a need for that science of Ulum al-Qur'an at that time. Then we have in the period when the third Khalifa radiallahu wa ta'ala said, Uthman ibn Affan Allah be pleased with him, when he compiled the Quran into a single uh, Mus'haf and he sent out various copies to the different areas of the Islamic Empire of the time and we find that uh, during this time, we find that because of the Quran being now written in a single rasm, meaning in one single way, even with all the qira'at, all the qira'at, the different ways of reading the Quran, are all read on the same script. There's not there aren't two scripts of the Quran. All the scripts are the same. The diacritical marks might be different in the way that we we recite them. For example, there is a perfect example in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Qul injaakum injaakum binabain injaakum." فَاسِقٌ oh, فَتَبَيَّنُوا those of you who believe, if there comes to you a transgressor, if there comes to you a transgressor, with news, فَتَبَيَّنُوا Then in the one quira'ah, our sister Yasmina and respected listeners, you can imagine, take away what we call a hand kept on the bodies. Take away the fatha, take away... The kasra, take away the dhamma, take away the sukun, take away the shadda, take away all the diacritical marks. And so you just have the word without the buddies, without the diacritical marks. Basically, with ch- the changing of the diacritical marks, you have two different variations of qira'ah. You have two different variations of reading. But the script is the same. Does that make sense, Sister Yasmina? Does that make sense, uh, respected listeners? The script is the same, the rasam. The way that the word has been written is the same, but the diacritical marks, the baris, are not there. So you have one qiraa which is read fatabayanu. In other words, somebody brings news to you, do not believe it until you have verified it, unless you have made it clear. And in the other reading, fatathabatu. Fatathabatu, meaning that you must, even if you hear it, you must make sure that you heard it correctly and that you are not taking it out of context or maybe you heard something that somebody was quoting of somebody else and now you're attributing it to the one who quoted it mm-hmm. now sister Yasmina, does that sound like the same word does it sound like the same word mm-hmm. but in the quran if you look it looks exactly the same because there's only one rasam only the Baris, only the fatha and the Dhamma and the kasra have changed and the dots of course the dots, like you have two dots Yes On top of the ta And you have um, one dot uh, for the noon And three dots for the fa Now those dots were only put much later In fact, a person which we wouldn't associate You know, with being very academic At the time, Hajjaj bin Yusuf al Thaqafi, From Bani thaqif from Taif You know, he became uh, a great tyrant and uh, many Sahaba were actually killed during his reign as a governor. But one of the good things that he did was he put the dots on the on the Qur'an. So in terms of the Qiraat, the dots fit perfectly for both these readings. I'm being very specific, the word that I'm using, reading. The readings are different, the Qiraat are different, but the Rasm. The actual script, the way the word is written, without the dots, without the diacritical marks, that is exactly the same. And so from the th- time of the third Khalifa, an, a science is now being established. Mm-hmm. And that is ilmu rasmi quran the science of the writing of the Qur'an. Because now the Qur'an is being reproduced. Said uthman he compiled the Qur'an, and that which was the most correct in terms of everything that had ever been written down and everything else that disagreed with that was destroyed and then that was now copied. So a new science is now coming into being. And that is the science of, of writing the Quran out. There were no dots yet. There were no diacritical marks. And the Quran is being sent out to the different parts of the Quran. Of the Islamic empire of the time. So that happened in the time of of Sayyidina Uthman. Then in the time of Sayyidina Ali another Qur'anic science uh, rises and that is the science of Nahu which is now studying the Qur'an from the perspective of language. In fact Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib radiyallahu ta'ala anhu he ordered a man by the name of Abu aswad Ad duali to put down the rules of grammar, of Arabic grammar, in order that the Quran could be correctly understood and things could not be mispronounced and therefore misinterpreted. For example look, look at the big change with a Fatha and a Domba. <inaudible> what does that mean? Indeed those that fear Allah. <inaudible> out of his servants Al-ulama are those who are endowed with knowledge. Those that fear Allah the most. Out of His servants are those who have been endowed with with knowledge. If I change the fatha on lafzul jalala. When I say lafzul jalala, I'm meaning the name of Allah. His greatest name, Allah. But when we speak grammatically, we don't say um, Allah is nominative or Allah is genitive or Allah is accusative. No, that is bad adab, that's bad etiquette. We say lafzul jalala is in that particular mood has got that particular diacritical mark on it, etc., etc. So if I had to say, Inna min You know what that means? That indeed, Allah fears His servants. And that is just changing fatha a وَضَمَّةً hmm. So Abu al-Aswad al-Duali, he was the first one to actually now write down the qawaid, the rules pertaining to Arabic grammar. And I think I mentioned... In our second lesson on Tuesday, and our lesson on Aqida, that Sharaf uh, al-Din al-Amrati, in his poem on Arabic grammar, he said, "Wa ba'adu fa'alam anhu la maqtasar jilul wara 'ala al-kalam al-maqtasar, wa kana matluban ashad al-talbi min al-wara' al-thulisani al-'Arabi." The ulama, they. Invented these sciences sciences that didn't exist in the time of the Prophet because they didn't need them But at a later time especially when the Arabs mixed with the non-Arabs and the language started being tampered with They had to put down in detail these firm laws that govern the Arabic language like grammar like morphology like syntax like derivatives and so many other sciences pertaining to the Arabic language why in order to protect the Arabic language why to protect the Arabic language القرآني, to have the correct understanding of the Quran المعاني, and the specific meanings of the hadith. Of and at the end he says And he says, and Nahu is actually the first thing that one needs to learn. Please, Jamatul Muslimin, respected listeners. If you haven't started learning the Arabic language, and to me it doesn't matter if you are seven, 17, 47, or 87, it's never too late to learn. Go and learn the Arabic language. You will taste the sweetness as you stand behind the Imam and listen to the recitation of the Holy Quran with understanding. You will taste the sweetness. And so we see these individual sciences now emerging. Ilmu Rasmi quran the science of the writing of the Qur'an, the script, the actual script of the Qur'an as was put together by Sayyidina Uthman. In the time of Sayyidina Ali, now we have the science of Nahu. Then uh, in the time of the Umayyads, there was a number of uh, companions as well as uh, tabi'een those that followed the companions who basically started putting down the foundations of ilmu al-tafsir, the knowledge of exegesis, of interpreting the Qur'an. Alongside individual sciences like, at the time there were individual sciences like ilmu asbab al-nazul, the science of the background or context or reasons for revelation as well as the knowledge, ilmu al-nasikh wal mansukh So they wrote individual papers, individual books if you like, on these different sciences. And then, in the time of, at we know of what is called al Tadwin, which is basically now when the ulama came together and started to write more detailed books on the different aspects of the science of of Quran, until eventually, in the uh, in the fourth century. The famous Al-Hufi, he wrote his book using the term Al-Burhan Fi Uloom Al-Qur'an. And that's not the one by uh, Zarkashi, which is also a very famous book. And we also have the Itqan by imam Suyuti. And we also have the, um, the one by Zarqani, uh, Manahil Al-Irfan also a very famous book uh, in ulum Al-Quran, but those books were written uh, much later. So, we see that as a science, it only really develops from the, from the uh, f- f- as a single science, it only develops from the from the fourth century onwards. And again, why are we studying this? We're studying this, why? Because we, we want to, we want to have the correct understanding of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He's saying to it. this is the Quran. Allah says, "Inna al Quran yahdi lil-latihi aqam wa yubashrul mu'minin al-ladina yamalouna salihati anna luhum ajran kabira in this Quran." It. What does it do? Inna al Quran yahdi. It guides to that which is most upright in every aspect of our lives, and it gives glad tidings to the believers who work righteous deeds that for them is the greatest reward. And we reveal of the Quran in which there is a healing and a mercy for the believers. In fact, there's a beautiful hadith that can be found in uh, in Sahih Muslim. In fact, it this hadith just shows, you know, in terms of how we should be looking at the Quran, how we should be prioritizing the Quran. In our lives, and not just reading, not just memorizing, but most importantly implementing. I think somebody asked a question the other day: How does one intercede for their family? Is it only with reading and memorizing, uh, or is it with something else? And the Hadith clearly states: "Man man Whoever reads the Qur'an and memorizes it, makes lawful in it that which Allah has made lawful, and makes unlawful in it that which Allah has made unlawful, meaning implementing that into their lives, Allah will guarantee them entry with that, Allah will guarantee them entry into paradise. And Allah will allow them to intercede, with the reading, memorizing, and practicing together, Allah will allow them to intercede for 10 members of their family. Hmm. Even if they've been destined for the fire. As long as they haven't committed shirk, of course, even if they've been destined for the fire, then with that action of reading, memorizing, and implementing, they will be able to inshallah intercede for those 10 family members on the day of your qiyamah to go to jannat in naim
0: Allahu Akbar. The voice there of Sheikh Riyadh will speak to us more in our program Madrasa on A e, developing Islam in me. Madrasa on A. E. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh And welcome back to your program Madrasa on a Developing Islam in Me The last few minutes of the program and of course in this section as well as today We are speaking about the sciences of the Qur'an And that is what we will be looking at every Thursday inshallah And that is what Sheikh Riyad rules But for now I hand back over to Sheikh to continue We will stop just before the ad break Sheikh Tufatul Bismillah
1: wa salatu wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala, Assalamu salam alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh yes just before the break we were looking at some of the the history of how this science eventually became Came to be formulated into one single science. From the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad, from the time of, of Sayyidina Uthman to Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, uh, Karim al Wajah wa Allahu anhu, an Ashabi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ajma'im, Allah ta'ala be pleased with all the illustrious companions of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Tabi'een that came after them. And eventually, when the book was uh, the first book as a single science, as the science of Alum al Qur'an was written by Al-Hufi um, in the basically in the beginning of the or end or beginning of the fourth and fifth century Hijri and uh, also before the, the break we spoke about that you know this is the Quran we are speaking about this is you know a, a blessing the blessing of Allah SWT for all of of mankind no amount of worldly wealth can replace it it is it is that cure which brings blessings in both the worlds through its recital, just looking at it just listening to it, just reading over it to others, learning it or teaching it, practicing its commands and propagating and diffusing its teachings in any manner or whatever, and there's a hadith that has been transmitted I said I was going to, uh, inshallah, give it uh, to us uh, inshallah after the break and it can be found in the sahih uh, of, uh, of al-imam muslim أن Aqaba ibn عامر قال خرج رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ونحن في, في السفة فقال أيكم يحب أن يغدو كل يوم إلى بطحان أو إلى العقيق فيأتي منه بناقتين كوموين في غير اسم ولا قطع رحم سبحان الله الله أكبر Our beloved Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم as reported by عقب ابن عامر they were seated one day at a Sufa. You uh, can see that raised platform behind the house of the Prophet. ﷺ, that is a Sufa. When the Prophet came to them and said, Does any of you love that he should go every morning to the market of Buthan or Aqiq and bring two she camels of the best kind without committing a sin or severing ties of relationship? What was their answer? They said, O oh, Messenger of Allah. Every one of us would like to do that. ماذا قالوا؟ يا رسول الله نحب ذلك. We all would love to do that. قال أفلا يغدو أحدكم إلى المسجد فيعلم أو يقرأ آيتين من كتاب الله عز وجل خير له من ناقتين أو ثلاث خير له من ثلاث وأربع خير له من أربع وَمِنْ أعدادهن مِنَ الْإِبْلِ So our beloved Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, he then said to them, قَالَ If anyone goes to the mosque, to the masjid, every day and learns two verses of the Qur'an or recites them, then it is better for him than two she-camels. And if he learns three verses, it is better than three she-camels. And if he learns four verses, it is better than four she-camels. So we need to, inshallah ta'ala, we need to get our priorities straight in terms of learning this Qur'an. Hudal Muttaqin, This Qur'an which is a guidance for those who are conscious and mindful Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we must just be conscious and mindful of Allah. And we open this Qur'an. And we read this Qur'an. With tadabbur. With pondering. With reflection. And with correct interpretation. As we are learning how to arrive at. And how the ulama and scholars of the past and present. Inshallah and the future. Have arrived at over the centuries. From the time of our beloved Prophet Muhammad and the companions and the pious predecessors that followed them and those that follow them, may Allah make us of them, until the last hour. And inshallah ta'ala, we ponder over it. افلا يَتَدَبَّلُوا أَمَعَلَ قُلُوبٍ أَقْفَالُهَا Don't they ponder over the Qur'an or are there locks on their hearts? So inshallah with us studying this subject together. الْقُرْآنِ May Allah unlock our hearts and cause us to ponder over the Qur'an and get the correct interpretation and understanding of the Qur'an and to implement it into our lives that we might be raised inshallah under the flag of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and Ahlul quran the people of Qur'an on the day of Yom al-Qiyamah to be entered fi jannat naim to be entered fi jannat an-na'im wa akhiru da'wana anil hamdulillah rabbil alameen wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh